0: afternoons with me i'm Bill Arnold. I say last week, I had Dr. Tim Walsh on and we were talking about the post pandemic and we 're probably not posting it quite yet, but the question really arose is how did we cope during that, and what were some of the effects of it and we mm-hmm. went through about ten really wonderful points, and we were going to talk about ways to take steps towards healing we didn 't quite get to it, so I called Tim and i said you've got to come back for part two. I also want to be able to open up this time." to let anybody ask questions if they're feeling like they've got something that's nagging them or a loved one when it comes to addiction. Tim is the vice president over at Minnesota adult and teen challenge. Um, he is, uh, amazing man of God and he knows recovery like nobody's business. So Hmm. we're glad you're back, Tim. Thanks. Well, thanks, Bill. Really appreciate it. And I I just want to say thank you to you
1: and to KTIS to be drawing attention to this because I actually don't hear this conversation going on anywhere
0: else. So thank you for drawing attention to this very topic. Absolutely. When we talked last Friday, we had talked about some of the effects of the pandemic. And one of the first things you'd mentioned. I don't think I heard anything after the first thing, (laughs) was that we can suffer what's called a a pandemic fog. Yeah, that's right. Where you think you're losing your beans a little bit. Yes. Or the cheese has slipped off the cracker just a little bit. And you go, where did I put my keys? Oh, they're in the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Uh, why are they there, you know? And you start to feel like you're just losing your mind. And you said it was a pandemic fog. Yeah,
1: pand- pandemic brain fog is what uh, psychologists, yeah. researchers are calling it right now. And, and, and where it's showing up in conversation right now, B- Bill, is people are saying, uh, I feel like I've lost my attention. I've lost my concentration. My short-term memory right. is shot. Yep. I forget yep. something that I was just thinking about because my attention shifted to something else so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that whole experience and yeah, it, it, mental fatigue and lack of clarity, lack of focus, all that uh, adds up to pandemic brain fog.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I'm so glad to hear that. I think it's a, a relief for a lot of people that think I'm, I'm feeling so much stress and overload and I'm not processing in my head the way I used to. Yes. So what might be a restorative or healing step towards, towards sure. that? Sure. Oh, so you wanted to go step-by-step step over the effects? Well,
1: what do you think? What do you yeah. think would work best? Well, I was, you know, what I was thinking, Bill, is we would go over the effects themselves, but then get into just, you know, uh, how we how we coped and yeah. whether that worked or not. That's fine. And then I was thinking maybe we could get into some recovery steps after that, something like that. Yeah. That's perfect. Let's touch so, on
0: the 10 that we talked about. Oh, last okay. Time briefly. Okay.
1: Good. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, that's why I prepared. That's also why I no, was hoping it's it going <laughs> that way.
0: That's why I want to do it
1: your way. Yeah. Good. So, uh, so what we talk about, by the way, folks, as you're listening to this, uh, the point of this is not to bring up the bad memories of 2020. In fact. What you can do is, uh, I always give permission to my clients at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenges, you don't have to actually remember particulars right now. You don't have to remember those feelings uh, right now, because what we're really doing is just uh, a process of acknowledging and putting words to and meaning to what we affect, how we were affected in 2020. And so another thing that Bill and I were talking about last time was collective trauma, not just trauma, but collective trauma, meaning we all went through this uh, together and when we start thinking of it that way you know we think post traumatic stress is something that other people experience when they go through like a horrific event or a series of horrific events we don't think about it that what we just went through was uh, historic it was epic actually in terms of its dimensions so and then um, we made a differentiation, and we said, you know, when you're under constant pressure and you're having stressors that are overwhelming you, that's called chronic stress. When you can't escape it, that's called toxic stress. Mm. And some of us have experienced that in work environments, that kind of thing where you just can't get away from it. And that's the way I think a lot of people are feeling right now. They have the sense of foreboding and ominous that the other shoe is going to drop that, uh, you know, we said we're getting post, but uh, not really post and what's going to happen next. And people are kind of still in that vigilant state of saying, Hey, what is going to happen next? So, Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another thing that people experience. And then the obvious, of course, was uh, social isolation and relational disconnection from the people that that we love, uh, actually co-workers. Uh, we, we experienced this uh, really profound disconnection from other people during that time. And I remember you and I talking about this, Bill, and we said that some people went one year without any human touch whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And of course, some people even died in complete isolation. It was just, it was, it was awful in that way. And so, uh, the other thing that we were talking about is, of course, when all this was going on in 2020, it wasn't just the pandemic. We had social unrest, we had political unrest, we had huge divisions uh, happening in society. It was a time of economic dislocation at that time. So, it was many things happening all at once. And many of us experienced many different losses. And, of course, we're Minnesotans. and other folks that are listening to this, uh, probably mostly Midwesterners, right, Bill, uh, that uh, as, as they're hearing this, they go, you know what, uh, we just tough it out and we suck it up and we, we push through, right? That's the way we think about ourselves. Right. Uh, but in this last year, we have to think about, you know, think about the words we've been using. Some of us say it was like a lost year, uh, we feel like this whole year went by, and, and in fact, some of us are even have a tough time recalling anything that, in particular, that happened this last year. And it seems to some people like a dream or a nightmare. It was so surreal, and that, that's why people talk about it. It's like, am I in a simulation? This is so. Uh, completely foreign, completely alien to how I've been experiencing life to to this point. And that's the way people talk. And, And that's the language of shock. And shock is feeling like our senses and our body, our mind is overwhelmed. And so that whole idea of shock is, you know, what happens with your body, of course, is it retreats to your your internal core organs and your blood flows to your internal organs. Well, emotionally, the same thing happens. We start reducing down to the very basics of life and, and to self-protection and to survival. We start thinking in a survival mode uh, during that time and... And then some of us mentally go someplace else, and that's called dissociation. And we're, we all do dissociation to some sort, but we just, we start detaching. We start, you know, acting like we're not here, this isn't real, this isn't happening. And we start emotionally and cognitively uh, dissociating from what's going on. So that's, that's kind of like a, a laundry list of the after effects, but if you add that all up, what it starts to add up for a lot of people is serious emotional health issues of uh, anxiety, uh, depression, uh, post-traumatic stress, and then serious uh, grief and loss, along with other mental health issues that go along with this. And so. Part of the reason we were sharing this last time is we just wanted to affirm people, This that is what you experienced. This is the way it affects you. This is affecting all of us in some way. And it didn't have to be a dramatic event all at once in order for you to feel this way. Uh, this was a constant, unrelenting uh, experience that we had called collective trauma. And then that's what resulted in these serious effects on both our physical and mental health.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest. I already have a question that's come in. I I want to stay on focus here and go through the 10, but I also want to throw some questions out so we don't have to uh, jam them all in at the end. Absolutely. And this uh, listener would like to know what is the best way to confront somebody who has an addiction when they are never sober enough to even have a meaningful conversation? Uh, Yeah, it's quite the challenge, isn't it? Because
1: when somebody is intoxicated, it sounds like it feels like you're having a meaningful conversation they're not going to remember any of it, right? And of course, when you're uh, inebriated, when you're intoxicated, uh, your your higher level of reasoning is actually suspended. You don't have good judgment. You don't have good dis, uh, discernment. You're actually you're you're not your best self. That's for sure. And you're you're not uh, responding to a logic or rationality. Uh, and and uh, what you do kick into is is your usual cons and scams in order to get people uh, out of. Uh, confronting you right. on, on this issue. That's what you're good at. That's they're what you're good at. It. Masters, yeah. yeah. And at hiding and deception and deflection and so on. That's what's happening. And so if they're never uh, out of that, that state, uh, of course, there, there are extreme measures. You know, when somebody is, uh, re- might be a harm to themselves or other people, uh, you can get the police involved. Uh, and the police have the authority to pe- put people in detox if mm-hmm. that's uh, what's uh, necessary. Um, and then, of course, other people do uh, interventions. They do interventions, and, and so uh, they get a person to the point where at least they're willing to consent to go to a place where they can detox. That's probably where they need to go first. And then after that, you stay connected with them and then work with them to get into. Uh, now, if somebody's like that, they almost certainly need a residential treatment program, not just an outpatient right. program,
0: right? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is. It really is. All right, let's go back to our, our 10, and then we'll work towards our solutions. But I think what we'll do is we'll take a short break. Good. Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest, vice president at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. We're talking about the pandemic and what it's done to us collectively and individually and some of the after effects, even though we're not done with it and what we can do to uh, help ourselves heal and get out of it. That's all coming up still in this hour. If you have a question, maybe an addiction question for Tim, he's an expert. Let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be right back. Tim Walsh is in the comfortable chair just across from me here in the studio and we're talking about the pandemic and the ways in which it has affected us collectively and individually mm. and he last week had a list of 10 things and we didn't really get to the solutions so I I begged him to come back and we're going to try to cover it all but we're just going to do a little refreshing on those 10 we've got a couple down let's keep going Sure 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 so so what
1: we what we hit on is um you know they to give people different names for what they just experienced so we talked about that brand uh pandemic brain fog then we talked about you know the collective trauma that we all went through that what we experienced is not just chronic stress it's toxic stress and then we talked about that you know for the social isolation and uh we experienced this relational uh disconnection from from other other people during that time and then and then, um, as we started to talk further about how that has affected us, what happened is we kicked into this hypervigilance and fear uh, as a result. And that makes perfect sense, by the way, that we would feel that way given the level of threat that was happening in the world at that time. And uh, what came along with that, and, and psychologists call it generalized anxiety. And that just means uh, you're anxious. You don't know why and you don't know where it's coming from and it feels like everything all at the same time. And then we got into some, you know, grief and loss that we all uh, experienced a, a time where we lost some things that we will never get back. Um, and whether that's graduations or proms or just even just having that human connection, that touching of other people, uh, having a hug during that time. And, and then I, I just was reminded recently at a, at a wedding that life is made up of precious moments uh, it's these precious moments that collect in our memories, and and that's what we lost. We lost so many precious moments during that during that time, and so we all did that. We all we all had those kind of losses, and some of us had more profound losses than others, but we all went through that. And then I just summarize the the final effects as just uh, being shock that uh, that 2020 was overwhelming to our senses it was overwhelming to our minds it was it was it was, it, it, it exceeded our ability to cope to to deal with the circumstance uh, uh, and we and we started to experience the the effects of that uh, it affected our physical health it affected our mental health and to the point where we re, we were even questioning what's real, what's true, what's going to happen next, and feeling like uh, some of us feeling like we were even in, in like a simulation or, or a nightmare. Uh, it felt so unreal. So, so that's that's a summary, Bill, of, of what we uh, what we talked about last time. And then um, I was just hoping we could transition into well, how did we cope, and did that work? That's um, a great point. How did we cope? Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. So, um, by the way, uh, folks, as you're hearing this, don't hear judgment, just hear compassion. Um, You know, Bill and I were really honest with each other that, you know, we did some of this stuff and we were affected in some of these ways. And so when we're talking to you, we're not talking at you. We're we're going through this with each other. And and we have, you know, nothing but care uh, for people as you're hearing this. So please don't hear this as a judgment. But uh, the strategies we used to cope were good for a short period of time, but they're not working anymore. In fact, mm-hmm. they're actually part of the problem now. And it's totally understandable why we kicked into these short-term uh, coping strategies because we had hoped that it was going to be a short-term, and it wasn't. And even now we're having to dig down deep and actually ask for the strength of the Lord to help us to endure and to persist uh, through what may be uh, some additional challenges come out coming up here. So um, let's let's go through some of these, and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this, I don't think, but. Um what did we do? What did we do? Let's just be honest. Let's do that kind of moral inventory, as they say. Uh, well, we did a lot of whole a lot of indulging ourselves, which is which is perfectly understandable. We gave ourselves a lot of treats. Uh, some of us uh, gained the COVID twenty, right? <laughs> that may be generous, by the way. Mm-hmm. COVID twenty, you know. So we did that, and and then the other thing that we did, and, and again, is is a lot of us retreated into our electronic devices. We went from the computer to our phone to the TV to yeah. right. We went, we're on mm-hmm. and round, yep. and and you and I have talked about this, Bill. That that what we're doing every time we're doing that is we're stimulating dopamine in the brain, and so we're exciting our brain, and we're we're actually getting our brain to anticipate something wonderful is going to happen, something great is going to happen, uh, and then it doesn't. So what happens when you do that over a year when you're, you know, why do, you, why do they think, what do you think they call it dope? You know, that's where that expression comes from, right? Yeah. Why do you think they call it dope? And so what we've realized is we're all dopamine depleted now. And so the very thing that signals to us that something good, something pleasurable, something wonderful is happening is now depleted in our brain. But that's, that's, that's what we did. And some of us uh, turned to alcohol and drugs. And so uh, on average, people started drinking about 20% more uh than than they used to drink uh and and some people are able to now uh uh deliberately cut back on that and some people aren't and other of us turns to turn to both prescription and illegal drugs during that time so a lot of that happened and that's what's on people's minds tonight but the other thing that we did is uh and and again this is understandable this is what we do in short term this is what we do on a regular basis to entertain ourselves as we we turn to escapist fantasy and so, if you talk to people these days, and you say, especially during the during the pandemic, uh, a lot of what people did is they just binge TV shows mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing on nonstop podcasts, nonstop uh, binge watching of TV. And, and then what we did is we, which is again, in a shock response makes perfect sense. We essentially started hibernating. We started, our, our, our homes uh, became our caves, you know. And so we, we shut ourselves off in so many different ways from the world. And of course, that, that is a shock response. And we didn't just social distance. That was something we were essentially required to do. We started emotionally distancing if we were to be honest with ourselves uh, during that time. And so that then led to that detachment from other people uh, that that I was talking about. And so what we did in all of these cases is we started applying short-term solutions to what really was a long-term problem. And that's what that kind of fed that whole thing. So I don't know if I have time to talk about a yeah, few more. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So then, the, so then the other thing, and and I just, again, there's no judgment here, folks, but what did we actually do to cope during 2020? And so what a lot of us did too, is we totally tuned into media and, and what are the two products of at least the popular media, not KTIS? Uh, what are the, what are the two products? The two products are fear and outrage, fear and outrage. And so we became part of just being on edge, being hypervigilant. We, we were paying attention to the news and, and everything that was being, that was happening and the, all of the, the, the discussion uh, that happened as a result of that. Well, what happens when we do a daily diet of fear and outrage? What happens to our minds? What happens to our bodies? Well, many of us did
0: that. What happens to our faith life? Yeah. We start oh, to, wow. Yeah, exactly. We start to give in to fear and anxiety, and all of a sudden we're watching the press conference on the the update on COVID-19 versus maybe spending time in the word. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it
1: threw us off of our, and I'm going to get to that as a solution. I think I appreciate that bill. That's exactly what happened is we got off the way we got off the road. We got off the sacred road of following Christ and the other thing, and I've learned this actually from my clients at Minnesota Adult Challenges, Challenge, is you, you often find out what is the absolute core of what they're looking for when they're intoxicated. What are they looking for in that? And of course, it's pleasure and avoidance of pain. But, and then I've described this to them. I said, have you ever heard the word oblivion? Oblivion? And I said, the oblivion in your consciousness is like this, like the old TV sets when you turn them off, the the whole screen went almost blank except for one little light of dot in the middle. Do you mm-hmm, remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. So that's that in consciousness, that's called oblivion, meaning you're still present but just barely. You're just conscious but just barely. It's almost like a semi-comatose state. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what clients are looking for when they're using drugs and alcohol. They want the pain to go away. They want the fear to go away. They want the problems to go away. They want the world to go away. But they still want to be conscious and experience Mm -hmm. the oblivion when they're experiencing it. I found that to be absolutely profound. Well, okay, what did we all do? What did we all do? We all kind of shifted into oblivious or an oblivion state. During that time. So again, that's all normal and natural responses to chronic stress, to collective trauma, to a pandemic, to social unrest. Those are all normal, natural responses. But that's what we kept doing. We kept using these coping strategies uh, for over a year, and then it had the effects that that, uh, we just talked about.
0: When you talk about developing a good habit, it usually takes 21 days to develop a good habit. That's right. So if you let go of some good habits, for example, the gyms close and you can't go to your health club for several months, mm-hmm. you do start new habits and maybe they're not as good as your old ones. Mm-hmm. And But you can start that slippery slope of, of um, going from doing productive and healthy things to doing things that are destructive.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly right. Good, so
0: you know if we're you know if you want to transition into some solutions um, I do I, yeah, I do we're going to take a break here in just a, a minute or two, but i I want to make sure everyone can get an opportunity if they have a question about an addiction that you might be dealing with yourself, maybe you're hearing yourself in Tim's descriptors. I know most of us are that we got into possibly some habits that weren't as good for us as they you know as we we thought they might be because mm-hmm. the short-term solutions are helpful, but they're not meant to go on and on. And so right. you're stuck a little bit and you need some help. If you have a question or you know someone who's in trouble uh, with drugs and alcohol and you'd like to ask Tim, you can uh, send a question right over to us at 877-933-2484. As Tim and I were talking about the uh, collective effect that the pandemic has had and we've all gone through something pretty pretty dramatic and pretty serious and uh, we want to step out in faith and step out in healing and uh, we're going to talk about that some more when we come back from the break perfect yeah so again if you uh, have a question you can send it over by text to 8779332484 If you would prefer to send me an email, you can also email me, Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. Bill at MyFaithRadio.com. And we're still kind of excited about our summer reading bundle giveaway. That continues through the end of August. And if you want some great reads, we've got a whole bunch of books, uh, novels and nonfiction from assorted Christian authors uh, that we feature right here on Faith Radio. We're giving away one bundle each week at MyFaithRadio.com. So you can head over there and sign up to be a possible winner. We'll be right back. Tim Walsh from a Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. He's the vice president over there and an all-around great guy. And we're talking about the collective way and individualistic way in which the pandemic has affected us and some of the habits we might have gotten into and some of the ways that we're going to try to get ourselves out of it and develop some new restorative things and healing things to do. Mm-hmm. So I think you got five for me, don't you, Tim? I do. Well, I do. Let's get at Good. So first of all, I want to frame this up, Bill, because at first when,
1: you know, he asked me to come back on and you said, okay, this is... Uh, the after effects that seven point five billion people are experiencing in the world. Now how do we solve those problems? Right. You know, so that that to me seemed overwhelming until I started in humility saying, Well, who knows the answer to what do you do to stay in recovery? Well, that'd be people in recovery. Right. And so the that first recognition to everyone that's listening is are we in recovery? And I'm suggesting, um, if it fits for you, but I'm suggesting that we are all in recovery we 're in mental health recovery, some of us are recovering from certain uh, substances right now. Uh, some of us are uh, like i said we some of us uh, in fact many of us had that dopamine uh, addiction that was going on, going from thing to thing to thing and and uh, device to device distraction to distraction. Uh, and then we wondered why we we had some attention problems. So what is it that people in recovery know that perhaps we all need to know? That's that's the way I framed up uh, the question. And so the first thing, and uh, so, I'm you know, even taking like the 12 steps and summarizing them into the spiritual principles, the first spiritual principle uh, as it relates to recovery is spiritual awakening. And when we talk about spiritual awakening, uh, of course, part of that is this recognition that our lives have become unmanageable. Well, pause and reflect on that one. Did our lives become unmanageable during 2020? And that's that's a good question. And I'm gonna, so I'm going to throw out a a, a, a word that uh, occurs, of course, in the, in the in the Bible, but is very, I think, instructive for this discussion for spiritual awakening. Uh, and it's the term apocalypsis. And I, I actually meditated on that word, and, and all it means— uh, is the unveiling or to reveal things as they are. And so the book of Revelation, for instance, reveals the way things are, not so, at some point in the future, but the way they always are. The, that's what prophecy does is it reveals the way things are. And so spiritual awakening is getting uh, this, the spiritual eyes of Jesus uh, as as uh, recovery in recovery, we'd say is we turn our will over to God's will, and and so we start seeing things the way God sees them. And so this is part of the problem is we started looking at the world in 2020 and going literally, oh my God, what are we seeing? What what was the world like in 2020? Well, it was it was frightening. The world was frightening. So let's accept that and then we started seeing evil in its in in some of its uh, unveiled forms during that time we started seeing how systems actually uh, work and then the other thing and this is the, this is perhaps the hardest thing is tribulation suffering hardship challenges reveal our character and i would suggest that people in recovery know that it's these actually character de- defects that we have that have to be revealed and they were there before 2020. 2020 simply revealed those character defects. And we perhaps didn't even know a lot of these things were there, but a lot of our habits, our bad habits, actually were in us before they became uh, bad habits. Our weaknesses were there before they became our weaknesses. And so that's that's actually, uh, in both in recovery and I would say in the Bible, is that God actually gives to us a revelation an inspiration, a grace of the Holy Spirit to start to see things as they are, including ourselves. Mm. And that penetrating look of the Holy Spirit into us and then showing us what is our sinfulness, our character defects, our bad habits, the things that we're doing to harm ourselves and other people, that's what became evident in 2020. And I, I'm going to suggest that the, the pathway to healing, the pathway to recovery, always includes that fearless moral, moral inventory and the revealing of character defects and mm-hmm. then the submission to God to remove those defects. That's 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 what people in recovery know that perhaps we all need to know, that it all begins right there. Fantastic.
0: That is a lot to think about, Tim. It is. Yeah. Um, so... I've got some questions that are coming in, but I want to stay on the five because this is important. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so the next thing is, of course, the the Bible's
1: way for uh, healing, the Bible's way for us to be sanctified, for us to spiritually develop, for us spiritually to mature, uh, is we go through what's called excruciation. Hmm. And, and that is the way of recovery too. Excruciation, uh, the key word, as you know, is crux or the, the cross, excruciation is at the center of the cross. And so what does that mean? It means that the pain and the suffering that we went through in 2020 was meaningful. It was purposeful. Uh, God allows, uh, God God allows, uh, of course, our enemy, the enemy of our souls, but also uh, uh, evil in the world and all that to challenge us, to reveal us, to sift us, you know, just as Peter was sifted, right? It sifts us and that is part of that excruciation process and so through through that suffering, then of course, what suffering does is it produces character. well, how does it produce character? Part of the way it pr- produces good character is by revealing those things about ourselves that God wants to remove and and so that's it, so that 's excruciation, but let me give you some specific skills that uh my clients and actually I use uh, on a daily. Uh, basis, the first one is the serenity prayer, which I know you're 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 deeply aware of and mm-hmm. and and we've talked about that many times, Bill, but that serenity prayer is what I call the sanity prayer. And why do I say that that's part of excruciation? Because in the serenity prayer, you say, God grant me the serenity to do what to accept the things I cannot change. Well, think about everything that we're stressing about, everything that we're anxious about, the things that we're outraged about, the things that we're fearful about. Hardly any of them are things that we can do anything about. Uh, there's all these things that I cannot change that actually I've been stressing about, anxious about, and so on. And that again, that's natural. And then you start, and then then, then what? The courage to change the things that I can. Oh, Lord, you would like me to focus in on the things that actually can be changed. And by the way, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I can change those things. Mm -hmm. Everything you've asked me to do through the power of your Holy Spirit actually can be done. You can see how that becomes the sanity prayer. In every circumstance, you, you actually look at it. Is there anything I can do about that? Do I have any control over that? Do I have any power over that? If the answer is no, okay, let's focus in on what I can change, what I can do, what the Lord does want me to
0: act upon. Fantastic! Yeah, I love that. Great reminder. By the way, good. What, Dr. Yeah. Tim Walsh is my guest. We're talking about five things that we can learn from people that are in recovery. That know recovery. They they know it. Yeah, they know it. So let's learn from them. What would be number four?
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, just to finish to finish that that one thought oh, yeah. though too is um, so <laughs> part of this acceptance that we go through is is to know that our lives have been unmanageable. In other words, they've been insane. We've been living a crazy life. We've been living a life that's not good for us. And that's okay and it's not a it's not a diagnostic of insanity it's a it's a it's a measure of my life has become unmanageable that's what's that's what insanity means in in recovery and then sanity means that of course God restores you and and actually he through his will restores you back to uh, a way of life that actually is life producing rather than life sucking um and by the way, that's another great exercise, Bill. Is is does this give me life? As I'm about to think about anything about I'm about to do, mm-hmm. does this give me life, or does this suck the life out of me? Mm-hmm. Does this give me life, or does this suck the life out of me? Yeah.
0: Does this glorify God, or does it not glorify God? Amen. Too? Yeah. Because yeah. if it glorifies God, it's also going it to give you life. life. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one is uh, is part of recovery. Here's here's what people in recovery know uh, that that other people perhaps uh, need to know which is the next step is, of course, surrender or acceptance. And surrender is very specific. It's turning our wills over to God and then actually listening for, watching, praying, being still, uh, all of what he tells us to do uh, in order to hear what it is that he has uh, for us. And it's a, it's a recognition and admission that our way is not working, that it has become unmanageable and to understand that, that our way of life has been coming right out of our character defects. We've been operating out of our character defects. And during 2020, uh, our character defects were, were manifested. And so what the Bible tells us, of course, is to submit to God, to submit to God first, and then res- resist the devil and he will flee from us, right? So the submission to God piece is actually quite specific, there's God's mission for your life. It's what he wants for your life. He has love and grace and he has purpose and he has, he has prosperity. He has all that in mind for you. That's what he wants for you. And then you think about that. Okay, that's his will. That's what he really wants for your life. And then you have what we've been doing to ourselves, which is not bringing us any of those things. It's robbing of us of our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, our kindness, right? Our faithfulness, our Mm -hmm. gentleness, our self-control. It's stealing the fruit of the Spirit out of our lives. And He wants all of that fruit. He wants us to have all of that fruit in our lives. And so the submission part is to go, Lord God, God. It's your mission. I'm going to follow your mission for my life, what you want for my life, your purpose for my life, not my purpose, not my agenda, agenda, not my mission. And by the way, in this case for 2020, not my way of doing things, not my, my way of coping because that's not working for me. Awesome. I love that. And do we have one more? Uh, yeah. (laughs) And this is of course, you know, easier said than done is, uh, then we move into a a restoration and a return back to the way of life that was giving us life, you know? And what you said, Bill is, is actually let's, let's call it for what it is. We, we stopped following Christ. We stopped following the way of Christ, uh, in many ways in 2020, and we need to deal with that. And so restoration is a very specifically in recovery, a restoration to sanity again. Uh, but it's a restoration specifically in our relationships. And, and this is part of that inventory that we do is, okay, how did our relationship to God uh, fare in 2020? What is the condition of our relationship to God? Good, distant, detached? What is it? I think we know. Mm-hmm. I think we know. And if we don't know, we can ask the Holy Spirit and that will be revealed to us. What is our relationship to other people? Are we disconnected? Are we detached? Uh, Have we emotionally distanced from other people? How's that going? What's our relationship to the world? You know, right now it seems like, uh, I mean, spiritual warfare seems to be pretty evident, right? And we seem to be in total conflict with the world right now, which is the way it is, by the way. Um, But we are not in a peaceful relationship, that's for sure. Uh, And then our relationship to ourselves, which is partly what we're talking about here. So then we examine ourselves and we say, are we in good relationship to ourselves? And where we land on is that, no, we need restoration in all those ways. And if we have uh, another moment uh, to talk about, okay. So when the Bible talks about repentance, we use that word, but then we don't talk about what it involves, you know, what is the movement of the spirit upon my soul to allow me to repent? So it is a turning away from these defects. It's a turning away from the sin. It's a turning away from those things that aren't working. And it's a turning towards God's way and God's will and the things that will bring us life. That's really what repentance is. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually, and I, I actually tested this out on my clients. I said, do you actually have to get to the point where you hate your sin? And they say, yes. And I said, how about Addiction. You know, do you get to the point where you hate your addiction? You know, not. I know I'm not talking about the propensity to be addicted. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the addiction and the lifestyle that goes with it. And they said, yes, you have to hate the life that went along with addiction. And actually, I agree with that. And to have such intense animosity towards that, and even disgust of where we come from, right? And and remorse about that, so that we we leave it behind in every way and then a turning towards and attaching to those things that will give us life. So we turn towards God again. We open ourselves up to God again. We we, we actually reveal our heart and our desires to him again. You know, we, we invite, we ask for forgiveness, of course, but we ask for restoration. We ask for reconciliation to him. We ask to be in that that intimacy that we used to have with God. And, and, and from that sincere desire of the heart, which I think, Think the Bible—that's what repentance is all about. We now attach to, cling to, hold on to uh, the things that actually uh, give us life, and so part of restoration then is also a return to the spiritual program. And if we have more time in, you know, in the, the next segment or whatever, Bill, you know, I'd like to talk about what what is the way, what is the spiritual program. Then mm-hmm. yeah.
0: we will talk about that, and we also have some questions. Uh, Dr. Tim Walsh is my guest from Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. So we will be back with questions and then some concluding comments from Tim. just a minute. note how do you join the dr tim walsh fan club it's kind of nice <laughs> well we
1: need a president I, first i wrote yeah. that one i wrote that one <laughs> yeah, you, yeah that are was you me. the president okay. i will be the president okay, i'm a big good, fan good. all
0: right dr tim walsh from uh minnesota adult and teen challenges my guest and we're talking about the, the restoration part of this uh pandemic that we all went through uh, returning to our spiritual program and our roots and our vitality yeah
1: very good yeah, Bill, you and I have gotten into this in depth in the past, and I think it was it's just been beautiful to talk about when we say, you know, when Christ says he's the way, the truth, and the life, um, he's talking about the way of living, how we, how we, the way that leads to truth and life, and it's through, of course, him, it's through and in him, and, and so this is one of the things that people in recovery know, is that the spiritual program is every day and every moment. Mm-hmm. It's not something we do for a year from now. It's something that we have to live every day. In fact, we have to live that way. In fact, one of the questions was about food addiction. And one of the ways I think about any addiction is we have to think about the thing we are addicted to is like kryptonite. It's like Superman and kryptonite. Well, with... Superman and kryptonite, he doesn't go, thanks, Lois, for the necklace and, you know, put the kryptonite around his right. neck. He doesn't do that, right? right. He doesn't do that. Uh, he, he knows it actually is the one thing that not only weakens him, but actually can kill him. Dismantle him. It just, Yes, it yeah. totally. It totally weakens Brings him down. It totally. And, down and so so the very, these substances, uh, like food, food is the substance, things that we're addicted to, uh, if, if we treated it like kryptonite, what would we do? And so that that then actually suggests a whole program of what you would do to avoid kryptonite and and if, if food is your kryptonite what would you do? You wouldn't empty your house of all food, of course, because you're not addicted to all food, are you? <laughs> Most of us are addicted to fat and salt right. uh, and, and carbs, right? And sugar. Uh, yeah, of course, sugar. And uh, so that's what we're addicted to. And so what would you do? You you would do that inventory through your house. You would manage what is in your house because if it's not there, you're not going to eat it. And then you would pre-plan when you go out, Go out, right? You'd, mm-hmm. you'd pre-plan because your kryptonite is waiting for you there. Right. So you have to pre Pre-plan. Right. And by the way, and this is, this is a, the, the client's at Minnesota Development Challenge. This is what they do. They actually pre-plan to prevent a relapse. Right. And then when they feel themselves slipping, they know they got like one second to ask for help and to get themselves out of a situation with risky people, risky situations, and so on. They got one second to get out of there because they have that much willpower, a second of willpower to ask for help or a second to call somebody or a second to flee out of that situation. Uh, and so that's what we have to do, too. Uh, if we've been addicted to a certain thing, we remove it as a temptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't put it in your presence because you know what you're going to do. Like if I have Oreos, you know, like you do in the waiting room here, I know I'm going to have some <laughs> Oreos, right? Yeah, exactly. So thanks a lot, by the way. Yeah, you're um, welcome. So I know I'm going to eat them. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have them there. And then you're right, when I go out to eat, I should pre-plan how I'm going to eat. Right. And actually I do another thing too, Bill, Is and people make fun of me about this all the time, but I actually pause before I order I reflect and I actually try to listen to my body. What does what do you need right now, body? What do you need? And then I order what, not what I want. I order what my body says. You know, I you know that it needs. If that makes any sense, that's the pre planning part. And then staying in tune and then sticking to it when you when you get into that situation. So, anyway, the return to the spiritual uh, program. You know the way they, the the A and N A uh, talks about this is increasing our conscious contact with God, which I think is just profound and powerful. And you think about the spiritual way of life. What is it? It is a relationship with a person. When you're having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's a relationship with a person. You're talking to that person. You're inviting that person. You're welcoming that person in. You're conversing with that person. You're listening to that person. You're then following what you hear, you know, in that sense that we get from the Holy Spirit. You're following that. It's a, and so that's conscious contact. And how do we increase conscious contact with God? Let's finish the thought. Please. Yeah. So, so you, 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 you know, part of that, and you can tell I'm getting excited about this because this is my, this is my whole thing, right? The, that the way of Christ is practical. It's, you do the word of God. It actually, if you do the word of God, it actually transforms your body, your brain, and your relationships. It will transform your body, your brain, and your relationships. If you follow the way of Christ, if you do the word of God. And so what does he say? pray, and you can finish the sentence without ceasing. Mm-hmm. You know, pray without ceasing. And then he talks you. He talks about meditating upon the word. You 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 eat it. You you ruminate on it. You chew on it. You know. Yeah. He tells you to meditate. You know. And then he talks about uh, um, to praise and worship to give glory to God. And actually, I, I put my whole self into when I praise and worship, and then it's it's ecstatic. You know, when you fully immerse yourself uh, in praise. And worship and glorifying God, he tells us to give our lives to other people. That's part of our spiritual program is giving back what we've already received. That's partly why I'm on this program, right? I'm giving back what I've already received. So it's this whole way of life that comes uh, with that. Humility disciplines go along with that too. So you listen to what does the Bible say, what we do every day, moment by moment by moment. And then you do it. Mm-hmm. And then you start to see the effect on your brain. And if you increase conscious contact with God, guess what starts to happen to your relationships? If you love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in any given moment, guess what? The Holy Spirit starts moving uh, with you and you start connecting to other people in a way you weren't connecting. All of a sudden, you're not dissociating. You're not detached. You're not disconnected. Now you're connected in a more intimate way than you could possibly imagine because the Holy Spirit is connecting you to another human being. And now you're able to love your neighbor as yourself, last part, now I'm loving you in this relationship, and it's this. It's now beautiful because we're now fully present with each other, we're connected with each other, we're actually in perfect fellowship with one another, guess how I'm going to feel about myself? I'm going to love me, because mm-hmm. I know that God loves me, and now I know that I'm in love relationships with other people. And now I start to go, oh, that's who I really am. That's who I am in you, Lord. I am loved. I am loved. I feel loved. Amen. Yeah, I am loved. And, and guess what starts to happen to your brain as a result? All of a sudden, your brain, your concentration increases, your attention span increases, your memory starts to actually improve, uh, improve. your brain starts lighting up again. You start recovering uh, that, those faculties uh, once again. You get out of this lethargy that you used to be, and you get out of that fatigue that that you're experiencing every single day, mental and, and physical fatigue, you start lighting up again. You start gaining energy and passion uh, for things again. You start being in relationship, and through relationship, you start healing again through in relationship to other people. So it's just magnificent when we do something as simple as increasing in these different ways our conscious contact uh, with God. And then doing that moment by moment, day by day, because we are utterly reliant on God. Every single day, we've got to do these disciplines. Mm-hmm. Every single day. yeah,
0: Joyfully. We should do them joyfully. Amen. No, it's because one... Not wonderful. I feel like they're a, they're a burden. No. Just nothing. the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's exactly right. Very Tim, good. can we take a couple of questions? Please. We have a couple minutes left, but just Please. some great questions have come in. Do you have any advice for people who have lost friendships and other relationships due to having opposing views on the pandemic and social issues in the last year? Yes, my my advice
1: uh, is humility, because we don't know. You
0: model that well, by the way.
1: Yeah, oh, thank, thank you. you. Yep. It's it's humility, and it's when we think we know and we think our knowledge is superior to other people, and then we start uh, attaching value judgments to that knowledge that we think we have and behaviors that we have that are that both superior to other people and actually protect us and other people. We start doing value judgments like that. Well, let's have humility. This is a novel pandemic, a novel virus, and these are novel scientific solutions to a novel virus uh, within a human body, which is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. So uh, we do what is best, as, as we know best, knowing that there is no perfect solution and no perfectly right solution And there's a series of trade-offs, and other people have different trade-offs than we do in terms of making their decision. So let's have humility about that and extend grace to other people for being different than we are.
0: Mm -hmm. Tim, this has been a very helpful, powerful hour. I know that when we started talking about this last Friday, I thought we have got to continue this discussion. And you have lit up the text line. Oh, Just some beautiful comments, and I would love to read this nice long comment. I'll text it to you. That's from... Gail, and she has just been, um, you know, this has been really healing for her. Praise God. Yeah. Praise Thank God. you so much. And if you know of a loved one that needs a recovery, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, what's the best way to reach that? Right. Online, uh, it's
1: mntc.org, or 1-800-FREEDOM, or one freedom
0: Perfect. Dr. Tim Walsh has been my guest, the uh, Senior Vice President over at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. That's the show we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed it. I know you've got someone that you'd like to pass this on to, so you can go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the Afternoons with Bill show page, and you can text this link or email it to a friend, someone that you know would love hearing this. I'm looking forward to our time tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you then. Wonderful.